Hello, this is Jennifer Lescalette from MDisrupt. MDisrupt is a platform that connects digital health innovators with the scientists and the health industry experts that want to bring their products to market quickly and responsibly. We have a very special podcast today. We are celebrating MDisrupt's second anniversary. And with that, I'm speaking to our founder and CEO, Ruby Gattelrod. Ruby, I've known you for over a decade, and I can confidently yes. say that you are a force of nature and your entrepreneurial spirit is, is completely infectious. I'm and not sure a force of nature is a good thing or a bad thing, Jen, but thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. And in 2019, you brought an idea to life and with pure grit, you started and disrupt. And I'm gonna leave it there and turn it over to you to talk to our listeners about your background and the mission here at Disrupt. Thank you so much, Jen. Delighted to be interviewing with you today. It's a little unusual, um, but I'm excited to be here. And I love the description of force of nature, although I'm not sure that that's, um, that's always meant in a great way, but thank you. Um, so um, my background, as many people know, is I have spent 24 years in the uh, healthcare, digital health, life sciences world on the commercial side. And I eventually landed my dream job at 23andMe, where I was VP of commercial marketing. I spent three years there. And during that time, I really caught the bug for the concept of consumerized healthcare, also the concept of digital health. And I learned so much there. And I learned what the right things to do were, what consumers were expecting, and how to bridge the gap between healthcare and consumer health. Um, I left 23andMe to help the growing number of digital health companies that were forming at the time. And I consulted for 25 digital health companies back to back. Um, and during that time, I learned that digital health companies, as they bring their products to market, all have the same two or three pain points. And I built MDisrupt to help them overcome those pain points. Um, so our mission is to help the most impactful digital health products get to market quickly and responsibly. And today on our second anniversary, I'm delighted to be talking to you today because I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's been involved in MDisrupt over the last two years. We've built a network of over 200 health industry experts on demand. We've worked with over 40 clients already. And we have this network of incredible advisors who have been guiding us every step of the way. And on our second anniversary, I cannot be more grateful to the 200 experts who are in our network today, the clients who have trusted us with some of their complex challenges and the advisors who have guided us every step of the way. Well, starting and founding a company is, is certainly a huge mountain to climb. And I'm sure there's lots of lessons that you've learned along the way and things that you've overcome. And in 2021, I'd love to understand what are the top lessons that you've learned in growing MDisrupt the second year? I've been in uh, the business side of healthcare commercialization for over 20 years, as I mentioned, and nothing has taught me more about business than founding my own company. Um, so the top lessons that I learned are around um, trust. So a few weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Shantanu Nandi on Clubhouse, and he said, healthcare moves at the speed of trust. And that's exactly what, one of the main themes that I've learned over the last couple of years. It's all about trust with your clients, trust with your community, trust with your team, trust with your advisors. 
And so that's one of the key lessons. And if we pull that theme forward, team and community are probably one of the most important things a founder can do. You have to build a team that you can surround yourself with to who are who believe what you believe, who are on the same mission, and who can fill in your knowledge gaps. So I'm a founder who comes from the commercial world. I don't know everything from the operational side or from the clinical side. And we've built a really, really incredible team um, to augment what I know in that area and to really push the company forward. So the second main lesson is how you build your team and the community that you build around the company. And then the third lesson that I've learned is um, the complexities of fundraising. So we recently started on that endeavor in the last couple of months. Um, it's been a very interesting process. We've met some incredible people who have guided us along the way. We have some amazing interests so far, but fundraising is hard and it's really, really hard fundraising as a brown female first time founder. But I'm really optimistic about how that process is going to go over the next few months, because as I mentioned, we've built some great traction with our clients, with our experts. And we see ourselves as building a scalable digital health platform for digital health companies that can really help to accelerate their path to market. You've spoken to so many healthcare stakeholders, clients, and experts uh, over the last two years. And myself, being part of MDisrupt for a shorter amount of time, I've been able to speak to some of those um, people, too, within the MDisrupt community. And it's, they provide such a wealth of information. And I can imagine you've learned a lot. And, and gathered a lot of insights from those conversations. So what are some of those unexpected findings from, from them? Jen, you and I have been in the space a really, really long time. And I'm today is very different from the conversations that we were having 10 years ago. So I've been marketing and selling to scientists and physicians my whole career. And what I've noticed is firstly, the tide has shifted. We are at an inflection point and everybody I speak to is united in the fact that innovation in healthcare is not an option anymore. It's an absolute necessity. And the solutions that people are trying to innovate around are solutions around access to healthcare, improved health outcomes, simplified delivery of services, transparency, and convenience. And the, one of the challenges is how do we build these solutions in an evidence-based way? The thing that I think has been really interesting um, as I've spoken to various different stakeholders is that the incentives for each type of stakeholder is very, are very, very different. So providers, it's about maximizing their time. It's about solutions that fit into their clinical workflows. It's about their patient's experience and how they spend that time with their patients. For payers, it's about the costs and the economics of the solutions. For patients, it's about how do they access healthcare simply, conveniently, and transparently. And for the digital health companies, it's about scaling quickly and being the first disruptors in a very complex market. And the big challenge is how do we create solutions that address the incentives for everybody in that ecosystem? How do we do it cost-effectively? How do we do it responsibly? And how do we do it in a way that scales? And so this is where I think the challenges are and the challenges that we'll see solved over the next 10 years. The community at MDisrupt has grown a lot over the, in the past 12 months. But what do you see are some of the unique personas or characteristics of the, of the 
people, the early adopters of the MDisrupt community? What, what are some of the characteristics of those people that have, have joined? So what we see a lot in the community is experts who have joined us, who have experienced in building health products. So that's one of the things that, uh, one of the key features of the MDisrupt Health Expert Network is people who have really done this before a few times and really understand some of the challenges. The other thing that we're seeing a lot of is there is a new breed of clinician. Um, these clinicians have been in clinical practice for many, many years, but they understand and they see the need for change and change through innovation. And so the, the new breed of physician wants to get involved with digital health companies. They want to be medical advisors. They want to have a say in building products. They want to have a say in how the products are communicated out to their peers. And so that's been one of the, you know, one of the major things that we've seen is this new breed of clinician who really are um, digital innovators. And I would actually argue that those physicians are the ones that hold the power for change from within the healthcare system. And if they understood their power, I, I, I want to help them understand their power so and really leverage those folks to, to work with the digital health companies so that we can get those solutions into healthcare faster. So I'd like to move on and talk about the digital health industry. What trends are you seeing currently in digital health? So as I mentioned, I think we're at an inflection point and I think innovation is required across all aspects of healthcare, across the products, the practices, the delivery, the business models, and the mindset. And we're seeing so many companies trying to address one or more of those areas. I think the companies um, that will be successful, the ones that can rise above the noise, are the ones who can who really take their evidence generation seriously, who solve real clinical problems, and who um, incentivizes many stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem as possible. But that's kind of at a high level. And if we get more specific, healthcare is undergoing a revolution where we are changing how healthcare is delivered rather than waiting till people are sick and delivering healthcare in the hospitals. Um, solutions are arising where we try and take care of people where they live and where they work. So we're taking some of these healthcare solutions outside of the hospitals and into people's homes, schools and workplaces. So technologies that are enabling um, of that are the ones that we are seeing um, get widespread adoption. And the pandemic has accelerated some, some of those things. So some notable examples are telehealth and virtual care. So telemedicine is not a new technology. It has been around for decades, but the adoption of telemedicine um, has skyrocketed since the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, we saw only one or 2% of um, visits were done by telemedicine and post-pandemic, we see 30% of all visits being attributed to telemedicine. And that's also um, a function of how telemedicine gets paid for as well. We've seen CMS increase the number of telemedicine services that they're willing to pay for in the last year or so. So telemedicine is clearly a big uh, set of solutions when it comes to delivering healthcare at home. Second uh, area that we're seeing a lot of growth in is at-home testing. And again, this is an area which wasn't necessarily new. It's just that the pandemic forced us to think about different ways of delivering testing. 
And so we see companies like Heavily Well, for example, delivering a whole suite of at-home tests, whether that's COVID or uh, HbA1c or cholesterol. We're seeing a lot of those companies arise because there's something very convenient about being able to have a test kit delivered to your home, provide your sample, and then take your result in and talk to your physician about that, um, rather than having a visit, having a lab visit, and then having a follow-up visit. So that's another area where we see a lot of explosion in the companies that are emerging. Some other big themes are remote patient monitoring. Again, how does how do your clinicians manage to take care of you outside of a hospital system? And so we're seeing many, many solutions in the remote patient monitoring world. And then two other areas that I think um, have been a focus. One is women's health. Traditionally, women's health has been about fertility and having babies. It's been perceived as a niche area, except that it constitutes 51% of the population and over 90% of healthcare decision-making comes from women. And so we're seeing an explosion in the number of companies that are delivering problems, sorry, that are delivering solutions for um, solving women's health in areas beyond fertility. So things like um, menopause, endometriosis, preeclampsia, sleep, diet. And so um, even in the news earlier this week, we saw that Maven had a pretty significant um, investment from Lux Capital, making it the first women's health unicorn. And that's um, pretty incredible that it's taken this long to get to the space, but it's, it's representative of the, the turning tides and the turning attention to women's health. And then finally, one we also can't ignore is mental and behavioral health. Mental and behavioral health, again, a renewed interest since the pandemic. Um, and we are seeing a lot of investment go into those areas too. And when you think about digital health companies that have been successful, uh, what do you think are some of the th things that make their success? So I think the top things that successful digital health companies do are they engage clinical experts early and often throughout the process of developing a health product. That's the first thing. The second thing is they take their regulatory and evidence generation very, very seriously. They don't skip steps and they go very deeply into figuring out the appropriate regulatory path very deeply into generating the right evidence and data that they need to convince the various stakeholders. And then the third point is that they build balanced teams. So building health products is different from consumer products. It requires careful orchestration between technical teams, commercial teams, and clinical teams. And I think some of the best companies we've seen have got a great balance between those three areas. I'm going to put a plug in for our webinar next week. We are talking to an amazing panel about why you need a chief medical officer or a chief scientific officer really early on in your digital health startup. So I just want to ask you about that. What, what do you think? Why is that important to have a CMO or CSO early on? It's really important because I think it helps you build the right product early on and save a ton of time and a ton of money in not making mistakes. So for example, one of the things that we see a lot of is companies who are trying to, who have a technology and they're trying to back it into a clinical problem, but it doesn't actually solve a clinical problem. So having people who really understand clinical workflows, who understand the 
um, features and the solutions that particular physician types are looking for can add huge value to a company. And then later on, as they go through regulatory and they generate evidence, the chief medical officer really can be voice of the patient from external to internal. And they can also be the evangelist to their peers. So physicians are some of the most skeptical audiences in the world, and they don't like to listen to marketers, they like to listen to their peers. And I think chief medical officers, chief scientific officers and medical affairs teams are really the key in communicating those values to to their communities. So that's a, a teeny bit of the value that a chief medical officer can bring. I actually think chief medical officer is one of the most critical hires early on. Even if it's not full-time, even if it's a part-time uh, role, I do think that they are worth their weight in gold and they are they can be the difference between success and failure of adoption of a digital health product. And then when you look at d- the digital health industry as a whole, there seems like there are some pretty, pretty big challenges and obstacles to overcome. And one thing just, you know, we're, we're kind of deep into it, but when you look outside from a 30,000 foot view uh, as a consumer of digital health products, there's a lot out there and it's hard to really figure out which one you would use. I mean, even from a, from a glucose, continuous glucose monitor, which one do you choose? Which is the best one? Um, so you're spending money, you might talk to your, your doctor about it, but it's very difficult to figure out what app works best for the patient. So what do you think, and there's probably a, you know, a few of these, but what do you think are the biggest challenges of digital health as a whole? So when you think about it from a patient and even a provider, even a health system or a payer, there's a, there was an article out last week from Ikivia that said there, there are 350,000 digital health apps in the market and 250 new ones come out every day. And to the point that you raised, Jen, how do we as consumers or providers know what's good, right? There is no systematized way of of, of identifying what the standards are. We need a way to be able to compare these digital health apps between the categories. So if you have a choice of five different genetic tests, which one do you choose? Which one is right for you? There's no standardized way of understanding that or being able to see that. So I think there needs to be some standards. There needs to be transparency around the standards. And I think it's really important that we bring some of the clinicians along with us in that journey around how that data is generated, how they use it in their clinics. But I think that is one of the biggest problems in the digital health industry. And then when you talk to health systems or payers, what they say to me is, Ruby, we're really interested in digital transformation. We just get about a thousand of these requests a day. We don't know how to decipher what's good and what isn't. How do we know which one to pay attention to and which ones to ignore, which ones are just um, not evidence-based, don't solve a real clinical problem or the economics of them don't work. And so I think, you know, if there's one thing, even us at Disrupt, when we think about our mission, if there's one thing that we would like to do over time is to develop the standards for digital health, is to organize the world's digital health products by performance and create a transparency around that so people can actually make the right decisions. The other thing I've heard is, is putting it into the, into the physician workflow. So when you go to your doctor's office, if you have something that's you know, a remote monitor, you know, it's remote monitoring you, or you have 
direct to consumer kit that you want to bring on board? How do you bring that into the physician mm -hmm. office? How do you incorporate that into the, the medical record? I actually think this is a really big problem. I see so many companies where their commercial strategy is to build a product that a patient or consumer will self-pay for. And I think that's great in solving the access problem, but let's walk through what that experience really looks like if you're trying to build an amazing, if you're trying to build an amazing consumer product. So you would, let's say you bought a um, at-home uh, laboratory test and, you, and it was an A1C test and your A1C is high. What are you going to do as a patient? You're going to take that into your physician, your primary care physician, you're gonna discuss it with them. If the primary care physician has never seen that before or doesn't know what it is, likely his reaction will be, what is this crazy thing you bought off the internet and wasted your money on? Let me order you a real test. And so I think it's really, really important as part of the consumer experience that we bring the physicians along. And so my, um, rallying cry to the digital health industry would be um, when we're building direct-to-consumer digital health products, it's really important that we create the right materials, educational materials, engagement platforms for their physicians so that we can have this amazing consumer experience. So I would argue that, you know, many of these digital health companies are trying to improve the access and the convenience of their products at home. That is really, really important and we must, must have that. But in order for it to be an amazing patient experience, we need to bring the physicians and the clinicians along with us and they need to know what that product is and what it isn't. So linking that back to two things that you had already mentioned, one is having a CMO or CSO, you have person, a, a doctor speaking to a doctor. So they're evangelizing what, it, what it's, they understand each other. They're speaking the same language. <laughs> and then the other thing that you had mentioned is getting clinicians in early and working with the company, understanding the product, testing the product. And so that gives them a better feel for how, how to engage it, how to use it for their patient population and integrate it into the plan. Correct. And I think the other part is also around, um, like you say, evidence generation and creating the right materials. So when you bring in that at-home test, the physician wants to know what lab was it run in? What's the specificity and sensitivity of that test? What's the intended use? And if you, you need to be able to communicate at that level so that you don't break your patient or consumer experience. Um, and I think the investment in creating educational materials for providers is again, worth its weight in gold. And I think that's the function of a chief medical officer and a medical affairs team um, to help to help the marketing and commercial teams do that. I'd like to move on and talk about the business model of MDisrupt and what you're trying to solve. Our mission is to help the most impactful digital health products get to market quickly and responsibly. And we are doing that through solving three consistent pain points across all the digital health companies that we've um, interacted with. How we're, the three pain points specifically that we're trying to solve is how can the digital health innovators access trusted healthcare operators who can help them build and commercialize their products? So that's problem number one. As soon as a health product gets to market, um, the next problem that digital health companies need to solve is how do I find my earliest clinical users? Um, and that's whether they're building a DTC product or a product that's designed to be used in the healthcare system. Who are those? innovators within the healthcare system 
that are willing to try products early on and be those uh, champions. And then the third problem that we're trying to solve is how do we quickly generate evidence to convince the variety of different stakeholders that you need to convince. So what we're doing at MDisrupt is we're building the tech stack for digital health companies that can really help them get to market quickly and responsibly while improving the quality of their products and while engaging the right stakeholders. How is MDisrupt helping accelerate the time to market for digital health products? I think one of the ways that we help is by access to the right experts. So if you need to have a chief medical officer on demand or a regulatory person on demand or somebody who could help you productize, we have a network of experts that can help you do that as and when you need it without having to fully burden their salary. Those experts are pre-vetted, experienced, and are ready to go. So I like to think of it like plug and play a health expert. Um, so that's one of the ways. The second way is around many uh, health comp- many health products, particularly in device and pharma, it can take years and years and years to engage early clinical users and generate evidence. And so, like I said, we're building a digital acquisition platform for the clinical early adopters. And we're also utilizing that relationship to generate clinically crowdsourced evidence um, that can then be used in uh, talking to other providers or payers or health systems. And so we really see our people and our technology as the key to the acceleration to market. How do you measure success at MDisrupt externally and internally? Our success is our client success. So as I mentioned, we've worked with over 40 companies in the last two years, and we measure our success when we've contributed to the big success of one of our clients. So for example, if a client gets through their regulatory process, or if the client scales rapidly, like many of them did during COVID, or if they win a huge deal with a health system, and we've been involved in that, that's how we measure our external success. Um, We see ourselves as the enabler of some of these truth-seeking health companies who are driving change. Internally, we measure our success through um, client satisfaction, um, both with MDisrupt and the experts that we uh, work with. And we also see um, growth of our community as a success metric. What's been wonderful over the last two years is we've really attracted the people who believe what we believe about the digital health space and the need for standards and the need for um, quality metrics and the need to combine two distinct worlds, the world of tech where we go fast and break things with the healthcare world of do no harm. And we believe if we can put those two worlds together, we can really go fast responsibly. And then going back to digital health, what's in store for 2022? I wish I wasn't saying more COVID solutions, but it will be more COVID solutions because we're not even nearly out of the pandemic yet. So that's one of the things I see, you know, we have Delta variants now, so there's going to be different types of testing over time. We're now looking at vaccine boosters. And I think, you know, over the next year or so, hopefully we'll be thinking about some of the back to work solutions for COVID. Um, As I mentioned before, as healthcare undergoes the revolution of taking patients out of the hospitals and taking care of them where they live and where they where they work. I see more um, healthcare from home solutions, whether that be at home testing, remote patient monitoring, telemedicine. And then many chronic conditions are a function of 
lifestyle and social determinants of health. And so I see a lot of solutions coming in that area around mental health, cancer, cardiovascular disease, addiction, diabetes. Um, so I see lots of areas there. And this time next year, what do you think we're going to be saying about M-Disrupt at the next anniversary? What does success look like to you? For us, I think success will look like we have built out our community of experts even bigger and broader. We will have served more truth-seeking clients who are bringing game-changing innovations to healthcare. I think we will have raised our first institutional funding um, and we'll hopefully be celebrating with our investors at that point. And I think we will have launched some new solutions for our digital health clients around how they find their earliest clinical adopters and how they generate evidence. And I hope this time next year, we're celebrating all of that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Ruby. And congratulations to the MDisrupt community and to you and the team at MDisrupt. It's been, it's been quite a year. It has been a year. And thank you, Jen, for working with us. You've been amazing too. Thank you. If you're a digital health innovator who needs access to leading health ex industry experts to build, commercialize, and scale your health product, please contact MDisrupt. <laughs>